everyone. Welcome to the Carolina Weather Group. I'm really excited about this interview tonight. We have with us Paul Barris. He is the Chief Meteorologist at WRCB in Chattanooga, Tennessee. So if you're in the uh, North Carolina Mountains, Western North Carolina, if you just go over the, the Appalachians, that's where you'll fall, find Paul there in Chattanooga. And uh, Paul, welcome to the show tonight. Uh, we're, we're happy to have you. And uh, we were just talking a little bit off camera about your, your weather career. So that's going to be my first question to you. Uh, tell us a little bit about your uh, your weather journey and and you know it, it's expanded for forty some years and thirty six years at one station. So uh, let us know a little bit about uh, your weather journey. It's a unique situation, Scotty. I've uh, you don't run into many people who are in this business forty six years. I, I tell people that's four TV lifetimes. So because people just don't they don't they don't last that long. A lot of them get tired of it and the business has changed so much. I've seen it from its super basics to uh, what we have right now, which is to me is a miracle. I, I never imagined when I started in television uh, that anything would be like it is right now. Uh, in, the interesting thing is I was in, uh, I graduated uh, back in 1973 uh, from Northern Illinois University. Uh, at the time it was the only state school in Illinois that had meteorology. And I never, ever, ever intended to go into television. There wasn't even a thought in my mind. I had a hard enough time getting in front of my synoptic meteorology class and giving, giving a forecast to my professors. Uh, although I wasn't as scared as my uh, lab partner was. He was, he was, he was even scared, more scared than I was. Uh, but, uh, and we'd, they'd always ask us trick questions afterwards. And the, the, the final question in the synoptic class was always, well, you think you're right? And I said, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's why I spent the last half hour talking about it. <laughs> so <laughs> it's always that second guessing. I, I feel like it's even to that point now, especially in our areas. You know, snow is not the biggest thing, but you're always second guessing yourself when you're when you're talking about snow. Am, am I really right? What did I miss? <laughs> that's, that's right. So uh, what happened is I graduated. I thought the hard part was over. The hard part was just beginning. Uh, because I had to get a job. And at that time, this is 1973, I would thought I'd get a job with the National Weather Service, like most people did. And um, it just didn't happen. It wasn't working out. At the time, they had a hiring freeze. At least that was the excuse they gave me. I really didn't even get to the point of sending much stuff in, uh, like uh, you know, my background, my grades, and all that kind of thing that they needed. It just, they just said, we're not hiring right now. You may come back in six months, a year, we'll see what happens. So I was lucky enough to live in the suburbs of Chicago, and uh, I was able to get a job at a private weather service in the Chicago area called, at the time, was called Central Weather Service. Mm -hmm. It was owned by a fellow named Earl Finkel, and Earl was a very, very good forecast. Now, you have to remember this. You're way too young to know this, but uh, back in 1974, when I was working there, uh, we, uh, we hardly had any type of, uh, no, no radar to speak of. There was no satellite to speak of. Uh, we didn't have computer models that were worth anything. We had, at the time, I think the LFM model, which you may probably have never seen, no, was just no. beginning. Uh, that was called the linear, fesh mod, uh, linear fine mesh model. And we used to call it the lousy forecast model. It was called the LFM. <laughs> and, uh, and then the new one came out called the NGM. And that was supposed to be super duper. And uh, nested grid model, they called that. And we used to call it the no good model. So, <laughs> so uh, I feel our, like we can still name some of our models today, some of that. <laughs> that's right. So these were just American models. Uh, and uh, that's all we ever saw. But where I worked, we were not allowed 
to look, not much less, much less use. We're not, not allowed to look at the models at all. Wow. Wow. Because the boss, Earl, had a way of uh, forecasting, which is almost impossible to describe. He, uh, and I didn't know it when I started there. Uh, but all the fellows that worked there for him, most of them were older than me. There was one fellow maybe one year older than me, and the rest were older guys, probably at least five to ten years older than I was. And they'd worked for him for years. So I was the new guy in town, and I had to learn from scratch. I thought I knew how to forecast, but I didn't. But his, his technique was an old, what he told me, was an old Korean War technique. And when he was in the Air Force, uh, he learned this technique. I remember there were no computer models back then. So how do you forecast? Well, it's pattern recognition mainly. Mm -hmm. But you have to, you have to prog out uh, the troughs and the ridges if they're going to be deepening, if they're going to be weakening. Uh, are they positively tilted, negatively tilted, and how fast they would go. And he had a technique to do that. And it's, it's, I can't even remember it because I haven't used it in so long now. But it was a technique that worked sometimes and didn't work others. It, it obviously wasn't perfect. Otherwise, we'd still be using it. So, <laughs> so, so uh, I learned that. And then um, all we really got were the, uh, from the, uh, what used to be called uh, the DIFAX uh, mm -hmm. charts that came off an old uh, Alden print uh, uh, fax machine and it would go and it would come out slow very slow it wasn't a and then later on later on you know five ten years later they started printing out faster but this was a slow process and we were all excited we get the 500 millibar and the 750 700 the 850 and we look at the uh, 300 too and uh, but we would have to especially the 500 millibar chart was the one we looked at and we would have to uh line up the troughs, prog them out, see where they're going. And that's how we would make, they never, there were never seven day forecasts. We would always prog out the five day forecast. And we had different clients. Uh, some of the, the clients that were, that I enjoyed working with the most, since I was just out of college in a, uh, a Chicagoan, uh, we worked for the White Sox and oh, the wow. Cub and the Cubs and the Milwaukee Brewers. And there were sometimes, um, uh, there was a, uh, I would call up, the brewers, because I worked a lot of weekends, uh, and I would call up the owner of the brewers, and it was Bugged Seelig, who ended up being okay, the commissioner. Yeah. 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 So I would end up calling him and say, Mr. Seelig, this is Paul down at uh, Central Weather. Hey, we see a line of thunderstorms coming your way in about uh, 10 minutes or half hour from now. Uh, it's going to be hitting you. It'll probably last about 45 minutes. And he'd say, oh, thanks a lot, Paul. I can see the lightning off in the distance. And so I always thought I was a member of the team that way. I always thought, I thought it was cool, but there was, one, there, there was one negative to that. One weekend I work, I think it was in April. I came in and uh, the fellow who was the lead forecaster, uh, that's Saturday morning. And it was a Saturday or Sunday. I can't remember. No, it was a Sunday morning. And it had been sleeting in Chicago and uh, Montreal was in town to play the Cubs. And um, the forecaster, John Thurston, his name was, you know, he's, now, I'm, I'm going to be 70, so John had to be at least 75 to 80 by now if he's still alive. I hope, I hope to God he is, but I never saw him after this. And you'll realize why, what happened, is that he made the forecast. You know, they're not going to play the game today. It's sleeting. So the Cubs said, well, what's it going to be like tomorrow? We have an open date on Monday, and so does Montreal. Can we get the game in then? And he said, it doesn't look much better. So... They told Montreal to go, you know, get on the plane, take off. Next day was sunny and 60 degrees. <laughs> oh, so no. in the, now that was bad enough. And John wouldn't have gotten in trouble for that. 
except for the fact that it went into the Chicago Tribune, the newspaper, it said at the top, uh, Cubs private weather service, you know, misses the forecast and Montreal headed out. So they can't play today. Now, when my boss saw that, he could not, that's one thing he could not stand. He could busted forecasts that that happened all the time, but don't get it in the paper. And it wasn't John's fault that it went into the paper, but he, he fired him. Wow. He fired him. He, he lost wow. his job because of a bad forecast. Wow. And I, I realized this is for real. That's pressure. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's a lot, a lot of pressure. So I ended up working there for uh, uh, nine, uh, nine months. And uh, I didn't work there long. I learned about as much as I could. And I realized since I was only getting paid $2.65 an hour uh, in 1974, that I wasn't going to be able to live in the suburbs of Chicago or anywhere near Chicago at <laughs> 65 an hour. So uh, I, I can't even remember what minimum wage was, but it was probably somewhere similar to that. And uh, so I decided, uh, just one other story here, we got, we got time. I, uh, since I was the low man on the totem pole, I got elected to work with WBBM TV, Channel 2 in Chicago, because they, had high, they wanted us to consult their new uh, weathercaster who was a model. Her name was Melody, oh. Melody Rogers. And she was the weekend weather person. Now, Melody was the sweetest person in the world. She's very pretty, beautiful voice, but she knew nothing about weather. And remember, these are in the days when there were no computers. There were maps on the wall. You had an Illinois map, a Chicago map, and you had uh, a national map. And you had magnets and you had to put the little front in with the magnets and the temperatures with little magnets and all that. It was a very simplistic show. And in those days, the person who was giving the weather was the star. The maps weren't the star. In today's world, you know, the graphics are jumping around, spinning around. Everybody's looking at the graphics. But in those days, there wasn't much to look at except the weather person. And that's the reason they hired Melody because she was so pretty and she had a nice voice. Plus she had done uh, commercials with the coach of the bears whose name was Abe Gibron. So it was called, and Abe wasn't that good looking a guy. I mean, he was short and squat and he, didn't, <laughs> he did, and he didn't pretend to, he was the coach, but it was beauty and the beast type commercials for Ford commercials. They had Ford commercials on it. So she, that's how she got a little bit famous. So they hired us. I'll let Melody do it because weather back in those days was a throwaway. It wasn't anything like it is now. And uh, so I had to give her briefings. And uh, after I watched her do it, I did a number of weeks and I would watch her. And I looked at one of my, the other lead forecaster at the time. I said, I said, Wayne, I could do that. And he said, no, you couldn't. <laughs> he said, you, you couldn't do it. No, I said, but a light bulb went off in my head. So I went off downtown. Uh, I, uh, I, I quit. And I took some classes at a school in Chicago called Columbia College, which was a broadcasting slash radio slash uh, right now. It's very good for uh, uh, theater. There's a lot mm. of theater people in Chicago. It's it's not like Columbia School of Broadcasting. It was it's a college it's an accredited college. And it was just starting in those days. So I went there for a while. All the teachers were professionals from Chicago. So I learned a lot from those professionals. And I asked them a bunch of questions and the fellow told me, this is how you're going to have to get a job because you have no experience. You have never even been on radio worth mentioning. So uh, I went to down, I went to the public library in Chicago and uh, I got the names of every TV station in the country and addresses. I sent 500 letters and resumes out. And uh, 
I cut out the top 10 markets because I figured that's never going to happen. In reality, I probably should have cut out the first 50 markets. It would have been saved me a lot of postage. So I sent all that out and then I got a, uh, uh, a hundred responses. And most of them were uh, nice letterheads and saying, we'll put you in our, on our thoughts and prayers, whatever. <laughs> They're not going to hire you. Now, out of that 500, I got four that said less than 1% said four, I'll send us a videotape. So I said, videotape? How do I make a videotape? You know, they, was, there were no cameras back in those days, no phones, nothing like that. I had to go to a private production house in Chicago and make a very crude black and white reel to reel tape that I wow. had to send out, that I had to send out. And I sent four of them out. First three said no. Uh, for one reason or another. One of them couldn't see it because they didn't have facilities for that tape. <laughs> And uh, uh, one of them just did, I don't know what happened to it. It was actually, it was our competing station here now in Chattanooga. I sent one to Chattanooga wow. and, and I, I never heard from him again. So I had two copies of it. So the last copy I, I sent off finally was to Washington, North Carolina. Okay. That's yeah. a, that's a small market in Eastern North Carolina. And they said, they came back and they, they said, we'd hire you, but you also have to be a reporter and you have to be a photographer. And in those days it was film. So I had to learn, I, I basically went to school for two years in Washington, North Carolina to learn broadcasting. And I learned it. I learned how to do the weather. I was the six and 11 uh, meteorologist, first meteorologist that market ever had. They'd never seen it before, but they wanted to promote it. And they did, they did a good job because they bought an old AVQ 10 radar from some airplane and they oh, put it wow. on top of their tower. It was black and white. And it would, it would show where the rain was, just like an old, old aviation radar. And nobody else in the market ever saw anything like that. But uh, uh, I worked there for about two years. I met my wife there. And, and then I got another next job was in Fort Wayne, Indiana. And I worked there for five years. And then my next job after that was in Cleveland, Ohio. And I worked there for three years. I ended up working with Al Roker. Uh, okay. I, I was the week, I was the first full-time weekend guy, uh, channel three in Cleveland, Ohio, which was an owned and operated station ever had everybody else had been part-time. So, wow. and there was only a two man, it was me and Roker and there wasn't, there was no morning weather at that time. Nobody did. They had a, they had an anchor man read the forecast. That was, oh, that wow. was, the, that was the morning weather. So I did the weekends for about three years. I volunteered to do the morning weather three days a week. And this is this, now listen to this, you can laugh at this, but I went up to management at uh, WKYC in Cleveland, Ohio. And I said to them, I'd like to do, I think it would be good to do the more, uh, uh, do a morning weather segment because you had a 6.30 to seven o'clock show. And they said, uh, morning, why would, why would anybody want to watch weather in the morning? <laughs> and I wow. swear that's true. I swear that's true. And I said, well, you know, people, you know, they're getting up in the morning. They want to know what's happening and all that. And we're the only station who would be doing it. And we were. And uh, so I did that three days a week and I had two days off and the, the anchorman read it, you know, the other time, the two days a week. And um, uh, so I worked there three years and then I got uh, the station had been in last place for a long time and they brought in what they call a fix it news director. And the news director came in and he decided uh, that uh, I wasn't good enough. And he got rid of half the newsroom actually. Wow. So he just, and so I was unemployed for three months and then I got the job here in Chattanooga 
And I figured Chattanooga, Chattanooga, where's that? Oh, that's where I sent that first tape. Yeah, they, <laughs> but it wasn't the same station. It was, this is a different station. So I said, okay, well, I came down here and they, they offered me the job. And uh, I said, well, I signed a one-year contract. And I thought I'd be here one year. And it's uh, 35 years later, I'm still here. So that's it crazy. It's Isn't a, that a crazy story? Yeah, it's like a, just a full circle. You know, that's, uh, that's amazing. We'll, we'll be in there. Uh, you've been able to cover some events, and I know uh, one of those, um, not directly why you was in Chattanooga, but you was able to cover or, or at least forecast the 74 tornado outbreak. Um, but so- 74, the 74, I was in, yeah, I was in, uh, in uh, at Central Weather Service then. Uh, yeah. Any but recollections I'll- of that? Oh, yes. Any- oh, yes. Yes. Because... Um, you saw the movie Twister. I'm sure yes, you've seen the yeah, movie Twister. Yes. And if you watch the first five minutes of the movie Twister, you're going to see, it looks like they're in a weather office somewhere, uh-huh. it's a, like the National Weather Service. And if one fellow says to another, this is going to be a real bad day. That's what they said. Yeah. Now, the truth is, and I'm not exaggerating, when we came, we, I was there that morning. And uh, they, we had a briefing. Uh, Earl Finkel would give us a briefing. He'd look, he'd show you the charts. We'd look at the charts. He would explain his forecast, which is the one you were going to use. Uh-huh. And, and he would explain all that. And he looked at the 500 chart and he just looked at it for about 10 seconds. And he turned around to all of us and he said, this is going to be a real bad day. Oh, wow. That's exactly what he said. Now, the movie Twister came out later. When I saw that in the movie, I went, I've heard that before. <laughs> did, did, did Earl consult? <laughs> he, he didn't. He didn't. So, but uh, that's, that's, that's how it happened. And then, see, in Chicago, there were no bad storms that day mm-hmm. and most of our clients didn't really have bad storms it was further south it was louisville on southward we covered mainly uh the midwest for most of our clients uh and uh, earl did a lot of aviation forecasting too but um uh we had an old you've probably never seen this an old teletype it was called the national weather wire and it got every uh warning and watch that came out across the country and it was the old type that went, went like that. And it would print, it would be slow. It was nothing like they do now. And uh, that thing, and every time there's a warning or, or watch, it would go ding, 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 ding. And then it did that all day long. Wow. We were getting warnings that were four hours old because it was, so, it was so backlogged. Wow. And I didn't see, you got to remember, there's no videos back then. Right. You know, you don't turn on the TV and see, say, well, let's, oh, look at that tornado. Oh, look at that tornado. No, there was nothing. There wasn't because it was all filmed back then. So we didn't see anything. We didn't know how bad it really was at that time. We knew there were a bunch of warnings, but we didn't know where all the tornadoes were. And I never actually saw videos until they really started coming out on YouTube and stuff. That's, that's really when I started seeing what wow. tornado, cause I've never seen one in person. I'm always stuck in a building somewhere, you know, forecasting them. So, uh, so we were there for the 74. That was the first one. Then we had in 78, when I was in Fort Wayne, we had a blizzard uh, and people were uh, really surprised by that. Fortunately, I forecasted well, and uh, we had headlines for the day before uh, the, the weather, the uh, anchor would give a headline, sports would give a headline, and then I would give a headline. And my headline for that day was 
So you think you're going to work tomorrow. That was my headline. <laughs> Recently though, uh, I was just looking through some Chattanooga stuff today and mm. April 12th, 2020 last yes. year. Uh, yeah, that was uh, Easter. Yeah. The, uh, which if, for those who are listening and watching tonight, this is the same storm system that produced EF4 tornadoes in South Carolina early that Monday morning. So uh, same storm system we're talking about, but Paul, that also affected you all. And again, another EF4 tornado, those are nothing to sneeze about. I mean, those are strong. Yeah, we had, uh, we had the, probably the worst ones were in a, in a smaller County called uh, Murray County in Georgia and it killed the most people. Um, and that was a little earlier. And then uh, later that afternoon and evening, it was later in the evening, we had one that came right over Hamilton County, which is the county that Chattanooga is in its most populated county in our viewing area. And uh, it came off the ridge, uh, not too far from Lookout Mountain, came down and really intensified quickly. It wasn't the you know, one that was coming from miles and miles away. And as it formed, we saw uh, I was here and our, um, our weekend person was here and she did a great job. Uh, and she's been promoted to mornings since, since you know, I'm retired. she got because she did, did such a good job. And um, she uh, she's only been in the business two years. I mean, it's wow. it's unbelievable how smart she is. But um, she came and um, she was helping me out. I was I was on the air, though, and I was talking about it. Then I saw the uh, uh, the uh, gate to gate form in southern Hamilton County and I. I mean, a real strong gate to gate. So I clipped on the speeds and with all the barren stuff we have, I could see that the uh, shear was over hundred miles an hour. Hmm. So I knew that was a tornado. I knew it was a tornado. I said, folks, it's definitely a tornado. Whether it's hitting the ground or not, I can't tell you for sure, but you should all take cover in Southern Hamilton County. And then she said, Paul, you need to look at this. And then they punched up her radar. We have two, two of the same radar and she, they pumped hers up. And it was the dual Paul uh, hmm. showing the debris ball. Yeah. the CC. And I went, all I said was, Oh my, that's all I said. I said, folks, this is on the ground. This is confirmation. It's picking up debris right now. And it was going through one of the most populated areas of Chattanooga. Mm -hmm. I, and I, sw I said, I can't believe this is happening again. I just can't believe it. And uh, we, we weren't on the air for 12 hours then, but we were on the air most of uh, that evening, uh, Easter evening. And uh, when I went to work that, uh, uh, when I went to, um, I can't even, you know, I, I can't even remember if I did the newscast because I wasn't <laughs> supposed to do the newscast. It was Easter. I was supposed to day off. I may have left after, because after that line passed, that was it. Right. So she may have put the show together. But I remember when I left the building that night, I said, after they look at the debris tomorrow, I said to myself, there's going to be at least 40 people dead. And I think it ended up only four wow. people died. And I mean, it was, it was, it was actually an EF3. It's got, okay. it, was a, it was an EF3, but it was, uh, it was, it was just devastating. These people were like in shock, yeah. total shock. It was, it was close to a four. I think it was high end three. So. And again, this also during the COVID pandemic. So, you know, that oh, yeah. even makes it even more crazier. One final question, okay. question and a half. Uh, you've been in Chattanooga for so long. Uh, for those folks, what what drew what what draws you to Chattanooga or uh, what's kept you there? I guess is a better question. You know, tell us promote the city a little bit. What what's so great yeah. about Chattanooga? Okay, when I was uh, when I moved here, my girls were uh, uh, one and three, and um, so they really don't remember Cleveland, Ohio, because they were born in Cleveland. 
but uh, they came down here and they lived their whole lives in Cleveland. And um, it's just uh, after they, there's a thing in downtown called the Tennessee Aquarium. Before they built the tenant, and it's a beautiful place. It resembles the aquarium in Baltimore, the National Aquarium in mm-hmm. Baltimore. It's very similar. If you look at it, you go, ooh, it looks like a twin. Uh, but it's, it's really well done. And uh, that was the first thing that went downtown that started bringing people into downtown. Because when I moved here, there was not much downtown. There was really nothing. Now, downtown is a happening place. You can hardly find a parking spot downtown wow. on the weekends. It's, there's so much fun. There's so many recreational things to do. Before it was, are you a fisherman? Well, that's good because we got lots of fishing around here. There's a lot more than fishing going on around <laughs> here now. There's, there's just so many different places. Got museums. The restaurants are loaded downtown. You know, once this COVID thing gets over with, it'll be even better. It was, it just, it's just a happening place. And uh, uh, a lot of times young reporters would come in who were single and all that. So what are we doing in this town? There's nothing happening. Well, there's things happening now. Yeah. So it's just, it's just a wonderful place. And it's actually beautiful. If you drive through on a nice day through Chattanooga, it's absolutely gorgeous. In my opinion, it's the prettiest city in Tennessee I by think, far and away. I think uh, folks need to go check it out. I've only been once, but I want to go back now that I'm older and, uh, and able to enjoy it. So last question, Paul, you, you hinted at it earlier. Uh, I believe July of uh, 2021 is, is, is your retirement month. Uh, July 2nd, uh, right. July 2nd. So uh, what's, what's retirement look like after weather? Are you, are you one of those? Or are you just kind of, kind of, you know, just look at the models casually where you still be involved? I mean, uh, I'll probably the only time I'll really look at it that much and hopefully I won't be super bored to have to look at it more, <laughs> but I, the only time I really look at it is when big storms are coming. Yeah. Cause my wife is tired of being what she calls a weather widow. Right. Every time there was a storm, I wasn't there. I was yeah. here. Yeah. So now I'll be able to watch the storms. I'll be able to look at them. Somebody asked me, my daughter always asked, dad, what's going to happen? You know, but she's almost 40 years old now. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, you know, uh, and I still, uh, and I'm sure people will ask me and I'll have to stay up to date on stuff like that. And I'll, I'll look at the weather charts and all that. And I can look at the radars just like you guys do, you know, yeah. it, it, it's fun. I'll always be a weather geek. I'll be a weather geek to the day I die. <laughs> well paul it has certainly been a a great conversation with you and we appreciate uh you hopping on with us and telling us your story and um we wish you a a great retirement i know you've you've still got a a few weeks left as of this recording uh but um we 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 just certainly appreciate what you have uh, given to the the weather enterprise and uh, we definitely hope you uh, have a great retirement and enjoy uh, kicking it back and not worrying about those tornadoes much anymore. Yeah, I don't have to worry about wall to wall. That's right. That's right. <laughs> well, Paul, thank you so much for joining us. And uh, thank you all for watching. And we'll see you next time here on the Carolina Weather Group.